Hello everybody, welcome to the On The Line Tennis Podcast, episode 10 already, one zero double digits. My name's Jack. Yeah, I'm Gavin, as you probably already know if you can uh, make out what I'm saying and if you've listened to <laughs> the stuff before. Everybody recognises the baritones, I think, now. Gavin, yeah, yeah. it's you, definitely. How you doing, Gav? I'm doing very well. Very tired after uh, yeah, watching that Raducanu match, but um, we're it was both worth there. the sacrifice in the end. Gav was saying he sure. stayed up to watch it. I only watched it today, but I stayed up. No, sorry, he he got up to watch it. I stayed up to watch the Sabalenka match. So we've both. I think I went to bed as Gav was getting up, probably yep. by the sounds of it. You took the uh, early shift. I took the late shift. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, so I'm suffering a bit. I think maybe Gav is. I've yep. just I've totally just like overdosed on sugar. So I've got 20 good minutes in me before I crash. So hopefully that's enough to talk about these two players. For this episode, I'm going to split it in two. So so me and Gavin will be talking about the, the ladies semifinals and the ladies final preview for this half of the episode. And then the, the next half of the episode um, will be without Gav. That'll be with David Gertler now. Do you know David Gertler? Gavin. I've heard the name. Yeah, yeah, he's, he he works for Last Word as well. Um, he mm. said he 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 was gonna he's happy to to fill in the the position. So we'll be talking about the men's semis and the men's final in the second half of the episode. Uh, but with that said, let's let's dive into the the ladies' semis then. So the results were Leila Fernandez, the Canadian, nineteen years old, only just nineteen years old, beat Arida Sabalenka, the second seed, seven six four six six four. And the other semi-final, Emma Raducanu continues her unbeaten like set streak as well, and destroy- completely destroyed Maria Sakkari six one six four. Yep. So no, it was that was that was remarkable. Yeah, I mean, what you know, watching it, I thought in the first service game, you know, obviously Sakkari got on the front foot and got mm. a couple of great points. And I was thinking, oh no, this could be kind of, you know, if she doesn't get through this game, it could be kind of a quick. Um, kind of demolishing off the court. But then, you know, I think it was 30-40 where Radicanu hit that amazing backhand cross-court winner. And it was like, that kind of set the tone for yeah, the match. You know, Sakari couldn't yeah. take any of the uh, breakpoint opportunities. And obviously, Radicanu gained uh, in confidence. Did I think she had like six breakpoints in the first couple of games of the match. Yeah, it, well, that was exactly it. Yeah, yeah and I she think, couldn't I th- take any of them. Um, it was remarkable. Um, because you think, I thought before the match, you know, Sakari's got so much power. Mm-hmm. Big forehand, big ground strokes, fast courts. You'd think, well, she should be in the front foot, but Radicanu's defence was so good. Yeah, it's unreal. It's, it's actually work, really good. Working everything. Could you consider how nervous you'd be going into your first Grand Slam semi-final? You wouldn't expect the footwork to be that sharp early yeah. on, but it was actually right on the money from the word go. And um, being able to get those balls back really... And I think through Sakari a wee bit, and I think she kind of got. Not only was she annoyed at not taking the break points, but I think the fact that um, Radicanu was not making mistakes, or consistently hitting the ball deep back in the, the court to difficult areas, really threw Sakari off. And I think that first set kind of set the tone for the match. I, I just think that Radicanu got the confidence she needed, and obviously it was going to be an uphill struggle for Sakari from there. Yeah, certainly Radicanu's game matches up really well against. Sakari and I don't think so much vice versa. Um, it's one of Sakari's strengths. It's definitely her serve, and yep. Radicanu is is 
a really good returner. I don't know, it's maybe too early to say one of the best in the world because she's only played bloody 11 matches in her life. But <laughs> her return is actually is seriously good. And I think it, it could it could end up being one of the best if she continues to hit it like that. She basically took the serve away from Sakari, especially the wide yep. serve she likes in that yeah, one. Yeah, the wide and the just side, wasn't it? I mean, yeah, I think yeah. it was like few games in and then she, she stood to kind of cover that serve and she kind of moved mm. slowly back across to kind of cover the down the tee as well. So yeah, kind of, you could tell that she was very tactically aware of what's yeah. going on there. And, a, bit um, of, a bit of mind games against the Greek there, I think. A bit of mind games, you know, tactically smart, knew exactly what the game plan was and just went out there and with the confidence to execute it. You know, that was um, mm. what really impressed me because you'd think um, you'd be a bit more nervous. You, I could totally understand if she got off to a slow start and went like three love down, you could understand that, you know, many players mm-hmm. that would happen to, but you know, that didn't happen. She went, got through that first um, service game and then obviously just built from there and uh, she just played. It wasn't, you couldn't tell that it was her first Grand Slam semi-final. You know I mean? The way no, she played. not at all. It was as if she'd played like 111 Grand Slam semi-finals. Mm-hmm. That's, that's what it was like, just the, the way she went about it, the attitude, um, yeah. not getting tight. So yeah, no, that, that I was very, very impressed. Yeah, um, a bit more about the technical aspects before I talk about the mental side because that's a bigger theme. It's a theme that kind of it, the same thing happened in both matches basically. Uh, but I thought technically, Raducanu looks like one of the best baseliners we've seen for years. Definitely, like that's almost undeniable throughout every single match. She's been so consistent from the baseline and powerful from the baseline, particularly in the backhand. In this matchup in particular, again, Sakari likes to go backhand cross yeah. almost all the time. And going into Radikana's backhand, you're almost giving her the advantage every single time because she, she didn't mind going down the line herself. Sakari, I think, must have went down the line once, maybe. And if she, I, I think she had to go for that. In this matchup, and she didn't. She didn't want to play out of her comfort zone, and she paid for it basically. Radicanu's backhand, maybe not quite as good as her forehand, but it's a serious weapon. Like well, still very solid, yeah. Yeah, I mean, yeah. First one she had to hit that pressure situation, thirty forty down. It was just like cross court winner. And it's like mm-hmm. if you're hitting it that well five minutes into the match, it's like that's remarkable, really. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, the in the blog that piece that I did recently about Radicanu, the only Flaw. I mean, I said her fitness, but I definitely take that back. Her fitness is absolutely fine. Um, but the other, the other thing I said was her serve. Her serve is a little weak, ish, mm-hmm. but, but she absolutely backs it up. I mean, and she still, she still gets the odd ace. Like I can't fault her for placement sometimes, but it it doesn't matter. It's powerful enough that even if it comes back to her feet, I honestly think she covers herself with her ground strokes. Yeah, so, it's, it's so the footwork as well, like the footwork, the how quickly she gets into position, her preparation stuff allows her to play the deep ball very well. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, near the baseline when the opponent's on the aggressive side, and that's what happened with Sakari because Sakari was hitting the ball deep in the court, but uh, Radicani was able to counteract that very well with her footwork and her, the yeah. ability to get prepared. And um, she was always there. The yeah, so it was yeah. like that. That was the thing. It kind of took away Sakari's strengths. And you're right, Sakari didn't go out of her comfort zone didn't look to really change that much up you know just like mm-hmm. she just tried to continue the same tactics and it just wasn't working yeah she was ser- she was serving big sometimes and that was shooting she was shooting herself in the foot i guess maybe that's the only area where she was kind of she was she was going out of her comfort zone double faulting a lot i guess um but it, it just yeah as you say it looked like radicana was the one that had been 
in you know umpteen Grand Slam matches, and it was Sakari's first time in a Grand Slam semi final. Absolutely, yeah, yeah, and and, and mentally, just want to touch on that because it's 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 something I think I don't want to. I don't want to say this is exclusive to the women's game. Of course, it's not, but certainly in the latter stages of slams. Nerves seem to, and it might be to do with the serve. To be to be fair, but we've seen nerves play a bigger part in the outcome of matches than we have men's. Yep. That's, I mean, that's definitely yeah. the case. Yeah, you're right. Um, but what I would say to that is, like, she's she was the underdog. I mean, every match that she's played, she's been the underdog. Um, and I guess even at even at a club level or a lower level, I mean, I think when you're favourite to win a match, it's far more difficult to play because you're kind of putting that yep. pressure on yourself psychologically. I cannot lose to this person or. I'm favourite to win this. What will people think if I lose this match? Um, I think yeah. it is, it's easier to play when you've not got that pressure on you. Um, but, you know, conversely, you still want to win. You know, everyone wants to yeah. win. So you've got that pressure of wanting to do yourself justice, regardless I, of what your ranking is. But um, Yeah. I should, I, sorry, go on, Gaff. It'll be interesting to see how she copes with, like, being the favourite. Because regardless of whether she wins or loses this final, there will be a lot more expectation on her. I think it'll yeah. be interesting to see how she copes with that pressure. Yeah. That'll be a real test to see whether she can kind of do it week in, week out, or whether it's going to be kind of how the women's game has been going, of maybe having a deep run and going out early and, you know, up and down. But mm-hmm. um, no, I mean, I, I just think so far she's shown that she's got the mentality and that mental toughness to get through difficult situations. And I mean, for that age, that's really impressive. Yeah, yeah. And uh, it's not, there's not been a single match I've seen of hers where she's looked nervous. I, I they they had that quote. I think I don't know if it was Pecci that, that said it, but oh, it would have been Something along the lines of "Not every storm comes to ruin." Oh your game. yeah, that's, that, that's classic Pecci. So, I wish yeah, I got so, him to write my English essay. <laughs> so, I think the end of it is some some come to clear your path, and he obviously is referring to the the fourth round uh, retirement of of Radicana at Wimbledon. Yep. I, it's apt it is apt because I think she's dealt with all these matches so much better because she knows what to expect now and having that moment where she had to take a actually had to walk off the court has, mm. it's, it's prepared her better than anybody could have imagined obviously she's and she kind of I think maybe she learned to feed off the crowd rather than sort of shy away from the crowd yeah i also wonder whether maybe the fact she's not playing at home you know maybe there's not as much kind of eyes on her because it's an american crowd and obviously i mean it's been a generalization but i don't think the u.s open crowds especially night session crowds are as knowledgeable or as into the tennis as wimbledon fans you know i think maybe more knowledgeable maybe wimbledon fans and not as rowdy mm-hmm. um either so i think maybe the u.s kind of crowd wouldn't maybe be putting that kind of pressure or maybe like not really looking at her in terms of like putting the pressure on her, expecting her to win. I think it's just kind of, oh, look, this British teenager is doing great. Let's give her some support. You know what I mean? Whereas at Wimbledon, yeah. I think everyone was kind of all eyes on her. Yeah. Murray got knocked out. You know what I mean? So it was kind of like she was like mm-hmm. the last hope for, yeah. for for Britain in that Wimbledon championship. So it was like all the, from being like maybe one of like three British players, it was kind of just on her. So very yeah. much like everyone was focused on her, but um no, she did very well. She's done very well so far. And clearly, I think when she plays Wimbledon next year, she'll be better prepared to deal with that and to cope with that going forward. Yeah, yeah. I, I definitely think she can deal with it. I think she's shown she can deal with that sort of pressure absolutely fine. Now, I don't think there'll be any sort of capitulation in the final. I think she'll come out playing exactly the same tennis as she played before. Uh, and I would say, based on that, she, she might be the favourite, I think. But, I mean, we can we can make a proper um, prediction on that at the end of the episode, I think. Um, 
the other thing I was going to say was, uh, I think I was just going to touch a bit more on nerves again from the other side of the net, um, mm-hmm. on Sakari's side, because the same thing happened in the other match. The Sak, I don't, I don't know how to describe it. I, th- I think when you're against a massive underdog like that, Sakari in particular really did not look her, anywhere near her best at times. Like she, she wasn't able yeah. to. I mean, I guess it's it more difficult. I mean, I think she's probably thinking, "Oh, this is a great opportunity to make a slam final." Mm. Um, I know I should be expecting myself to to win this match, but you know, it's always dangerous thinking like that. And um, mm-hmm. that's think... something I guess when you're the favorite, you've got to deal with because it's like you know, you if you're it's like look how Djokovic deals with it. For example, he's got the yeah. tiger on his back week in week out, year in year out. He loves he's it. able to do that. He's able to do that perfectly. But I think it kind of. I don't know. It's it's going to be. It's very difficult to deal with. But maybe it requires a certain attitude or a certain kind of determination of I'm going to play this way regardless of whether I'm losing six love, five love, or whatever. Yeah. I'm going to go out there and be confident enough to to be able to deal with that pressure. But it's difficult. Yeah. I mean, it's not easy. No, it's not. And I I was going to say I I think we've been a bit spoilt on the men's side in the last ten years or so. Yep. Djokovic, Nadal, Federer, and Andy are uh, all massive exceptions to the rule they just you know they come out and they play their absolute best and it's not something we should always expect of these players who get deep in these massive tournaments it's not easy to hold your own Mm. um but yeah so it was a shame to watch and on the other side we had a a similar story as well Sabalenka lost to Leila Fernandez the 19 year old Canadian Sabalenka was again the massive favorite and she's had her problem problems with nerves in the past, maybe probably more so than Sakari. I think she's got more of a reputation for it than Sakari. And um, yeah, there was some very ugly moments in that match. Um, I don't know how much of it you saw, Gav. I only saw the highlights of that when I was kind of proper well, getting prepared to get myself up for the Radicani one. But um, I knew that would be a difficult one for her. But again, yeah. I did expect her to get through that, much like Sakari. You look at the two game styles and the power, you think the court surface as well, it's not like a clay court where it's going to be slower and you know it's going to counteract some of that power. Mm-hmm. You know, on a fast uh, outdoor hard court uh, in New York, um, you expect Sablinka's game to just overpower and you know just be too much over a best of three set match, but um, evidently it wasn't. Well, there were, she was very hot and cold. She was proper. You know, the sort of Sablinka, a lot of people sort of troll her about I guess you know um, some massive unforced error sometimes she started 4-1 in the first set and she was sort of rolling okay and you know just a few double faults double faults started to creep in and then the tie break was an absolute that was terrible there was one shot in particular summed it up I think an overhead that she had to pedal backwards for legs just weren't working the overhead I think ended up going about five meters to the left of the court, five metres long as well. She was so nervous by the looks of it, super tight, just unable to play her best tennis or anywhere near her best tennis in that tie break. And then exactly the same in the third set, four or five down, a couple of double faults in that last game and a couple of forehand errors, uh, I think off one return. So really just total unravelling by the end, which is a shame. Um, And I kind of thought she was over it. But again, I think this sort of, Playing the underdog factor plays oh, into Oh yeah, that's definitely a big a factor. Lot. I think. Um, yeah, it is difficult. I mean, it is. I think it must be really difficult for these players, um, especially if you're making a career out of it. You know, you're going out there in front of millions of people expecting you to win. 
And um, if you don't yeah. deliver, you're going to get hounded for it, aren't you? I mean, that's the way the, the media works, you know? Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, it must be difficult to deal with that pressure. But, um, you know, you'd think maybe a psychologist could help, something like that. I know Medvedev's got a psychologist, for example, and maybe that's, you know, that's improved his level of play. So, um, Shontek as well, I think, is one yep. of the, the best examples in the, the, the women's game. She had one, you know, as soon as she was on tour, basically, and it helped yeah. her get to a friendship. I think title. it is a vital part of the modern day game, especially with the media and the scrutiny that, you know, these athletes have. I think it is vital to deal with the mental side of the game just as much as the technical side. Yeah. Um, and I think I think she does have a mental coach. I'm pretty sure Sabalenka, but it's just not it's not totally pieced together yet. Mm. Um, rackets getting smashed and stuff like that. Yep. One of the best stats I've found actually, and it kind of it shows you how tight Sabalenka can get at Slam level. She's won six tie breaks at Grand Slam level in her career. Mm-hmm. Fernandez has won five this week. So <laughs> I, know. I know it, it really is. Um, it was. Fernandez has got through a lot of matches this week with that sort of breaking down her opponent. Certainly Osaka, she was very, very not lucky, but she was very close to going out anyway. Mm, Osaka as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Osaka even served for the match though, and yeah, um, no, that was yeah. I know yeah, that our, was her forehand just went to wayward. Yeah, yep. completely. So she's she's sort of managed to get in the head of a lot of her opponents. Certainly Kerber and Svitolina not so much. She did she just played super, super tennis in those matches and mm. wasn't so much her, her opponent handing handing it to her. But Asaka and Sabalenka, the second and third seeds, that's the thing. They're you know, they're probably two and three in the world. I, I yep. don't know if Asaka is three in the world anymore. Um but well, she's she was at the time, wasn't she? Yeah. So. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, it's it's mad to see that from the the number two and three in the world, and it just goes to show that the best in the sport are are super vulnerable under pressure. And yeah, no, I mean exactly. I mean, I get it's really difficult when you've got all those people watching you, and you know that expectation on your shoulders. I mean, it must be really difficult, even if you are number one or two in the world, and you can clearly, mm-hmm. obviously, you're a world class player. It must be difficult and tiring just having to do that day in day out. You know. You win one match, or I've won that, and then you got another one where you're the favourite for. You know, it just must all just build up, I guess. Yeah, pressure wise. I, I so as far as a, a game plan goes in that match, I wouldn't so much say Sabalenka totally handed it. Certainly in the in the the pressure moment, Sabalenka was the one that decided the outcome of the match. Overall, though, Fernandez played a lot of these sort of short angled. Uh, Shots. He's got a lot of spin on her shots. Really, sort of tricksy with the, the the lefty forehand as well. Sort of drawing Sabalenka in, but off the court at the same time. It's not the sort of shot that Sabalenka likes to deal with at all. If you prefer to, you know, stand in the baseline and absolutely blow her everything. Fernandez's court position as well. She was like, I don't think she ever gave up any ground. She must have been max about a meter away from the baseline the entire time. Super early returns, stuff that was Impressive. just coming. Yeah, right, no. yeah going right so back to. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's, it's it's not a normal play style for for uh, the women, and it's it's really refreshing to see it. Uh, the, the sort of returns that were coming to Sabalenka's feet certainly rivaled uh, Raducanu. I would say they're not absolutely devastating in terms of pace, but it's just the placement of them all the time. She, yeah, she's, very accurate. Sure. Yeah, she's a super accurate player. Exactly. And her forehand's really good as well, actually. I would say that. Um, I think her, her forehand's a proper weapon. It's, it's got a lot of whip on it, uh, obviously being lefty as well, going into the opponent's backhand the majority of the time. 
not so much against Sabalenka again. I thought, honestly, I thought it would be a good matchup for Sabalenka. And See, I expected a Sabalenka Sakari final. I, yeah. I honestly did, but obviously, yeah. um, sums up women's tennis, doesn't it? You cannot. It does. Well, that, you know. That, yeah, yeah, that's well, that's what um, I'm saying. I, I think part of it is because you've got your number two and your number three in the world, like losing it in pressure moments. It's not so easy, I think, for the. And I think it comes down to the serve because it's not so easy to rely on a serve to get you out of trouble. Yeah, you can't hit like 130 mile an hour aces. Yeah, exactly. You can't get the pace. Yeah, no, you're right. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I, certainly there's there's not been a flag bearer in the women's game. Maybe Ash Barty. Um, I don't know so much if pressure was responsible for her loss this tournament. Shelby Rogers did play really well, to be fair. Yeah, she I think she said herself amazingly. she was just outplayed. You know, she's yeah. accepted that and kind of was kind of, I like her attitude. It was kind of like, oh, accept I was outplayed there, let's just move on, which was kind of, yeah. I think, the best way to deal with it, really. <clears> yeah, exactly. And she's, she's probably one of, she's, I, she, I, I would put her down as possibly the most professional player in the top 10. Um, oh, for sure. So. I, I'd agree. Yeah, really yeah. impressed with her attitude and stuff. Like, whether she wins or loses, always gives the opponent credit, never makes excuses for the feats. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, I, I just like watching her play and I like her attitude off the court as well. Yeah, her pressure play, I think, definitely out is, is better than everybody else's in the top 10 for me as well. I can't think of somebody who's better under pressure than, than, than Barty. Um, but yeah, uh, my point is anyway, she's an exception to the rule. It, it seems like a lot of uh, the top players are struggling in the, the pressure moments at the moment. Um, with that said, anyway, though, Fernandez was not one of those people. She managed to keep it under uh, wraps the whole time, basically. And now we have a Raducanu Fernandez final. What do yep. we think? How do we think that's going to play out? I think it's going three sets. Um... Honestly, I think uh, Raducanu will drop her first set. Um, I am going to go with Raducanu, though, because I think apart from anything else, she'll have more in the tank. She's not mm-hmm. dropped as many sets. She's not had to come through the stress of uh, like beating Osaka, for mm-hmm. example. Um, she's You could say she's had a slightly easier draw, but that, that would probably be doing a dis- her disservice, being honest. Well, um, yeah. You know, I just think... If it comes down to like fatigue factor, which it could do, because uh, it's a mental and physical fatigue as well, I think, I think what Radicano said in a post-match interview when she said, "Oh, there's no real expectation of me anyway. You know, I'm just going to go yeah. out and play." I think um, that may, might send a message to Fernandez of, "Well, I'm not going to get tight, so you know, you've got to bring your A game in order to challenge me." But that could be masking it up as well, you know. So it's, it's but, difficult to really take that for, for gender it is. No, I, I think she, I think she's genuine, Gav. Definitely, I, but I don't think Fernandez will be tight either. That's the thing. She seems to be having so much fun on court. Like she's literally just like, let's have a laugh every single match. She sees Rice smiles constantly and having a laugh at her best shots and that. I don't think there's pressure on either of the the you know the women that they've got there. Should be really expected to get there. Yeah, exactly. I, I think, think it'll I, be... I just think I've just got a gut feeling Radicano is going to do it, but you know, I could be totally wrong. Thing is, you know, if we'd seen Sabalenka get through that match, mm. I would not have fancied the the final to be super high quality. To be honest, like no, it'd be edgy. It'd be edgy because yeah. again, like she's thinking this is my best chance for slam. You yeah, know? no, the pressure's mm-hmm. going to be on her. Um, whereas this is totally different. It's almost like it's not a free hit because obviously it's a slam final, but it's almost like um, you know, there's no real pressure on either of them to win because it's going to be a very yeah. close match. So it's just like go out there and play and. Whoever plays better is going to win. You know that, that's yeah. it. You know. I, th- I, th- I think, Gav, you're saying you know a lot of 
natural power in Raducanu's game. I think had Sabalenka been playing her best tennis, she'd have won that match. I think Raducanu not you know doesn't hit the ball quite as hard, but certainly she doesn't. She's not been close to playing you know our worst tennis I think mm. if she comes out and hits the ball as hard as she has been all week uh, Fernandez will struggle and I think that yeah. can will win no nope, totally agree totally agree yeah. I don't think Fernandez can be as close to the baseline um, if Raducanu plays like that because you know yeah. I just think she'll be put under more pressure I think she's going to be forced to move back it's not going to be a case of bang bang error we've seen with Raducanu it's going to be consistent deep balls in the court there's going to be more than mm. four or five balls in the road that are going to be in a very deep position so that's going to push Fernandez back. Um, I think. Yeah. Well, yeah, I was going to say. I think we'll be surprised to see if she. I don't think she will give up any ground. To be honest, I, th- I think she'll be determined to stay there. Might be hard, but she I might honestly be forced to. So yeah, yeah, yeah. She might be forced to. Yeah, you're right. Um, at, at the same time, I think the two of them are such good movers. I think there's going to be a lot of long rallies. I think yeah, hopefully entertaining rallies as well. I think it'll yep. be a really good match. Um, so I'm going Raducanu in three. What are you going for? Uh, I don't think she'll drop a set. I think she'll. I, wow, I think, none of them go. I think uh, she's played tougher opponents than than Fernandez. No, actually, no. I, that's I'll take that back because I think take Fernandez. Back, yeah, because yeah, I think Fernandez will be playing really, really well. Um, well, I'm going three, but you know I put my head in the line with Raducanu. You know. I, I'll, I'll go three, I think, for, for Raducanu. Uh, I think picking... I don't actually even know for sure who the bookies pick will be, but I'd imagine Raducanu is the favourite. Um, probably, I think, because of the run at Wimbledon as well. You know, you'd yeah. think that would probably, you know, it's not a flash in the pan, you know. Yeah. not saying that Fernandez is, but it's been proven that Raducanu can back back that up. So, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's 50 50. I mean, it, well, most women's matches are 50 50, let's be mm-hmm. honest, like in the way it's going at the moment. But um, yeah, Radicano, three tight sets. So, on the episode today, we've got David Gertler. David, thank you very much for joining me. Uh, can you say anything about yourself, maybe, David? Just say, I suppose you write for Last Word on Tennis as well, same publication as me. Yeah, so I, I I do some writing for Last Word on Tennis on my own blog. I also oh, uh, do you? I didn't know that actually. What's the yeah, name I don't. I used to write on it more, but now between Last Word and Tennis, and then I also uh-huh. do some writing for in a little podcasting or guest on a podcast for uh, Crack Rackets. I it's just there's only so much I can write, you know, with all my other responsibilities. Still yeah, in my, you know. Um, but I just, you know, I love the sport and it's, uh, and I'm excited to, see, you know, those, especially the second men's semifinal yesterday, that was fantastic. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's maybe a good place to start, I guess. Or uh, should we start with the Medvedev one? Because it's uh, less yeah. exciting, I suppose. Uh, so just quickly, the results for everybody at home in case they haven't heard them. Uh, Daniel Medvedev beat Felix Ogre, Felix Ogre Seam, Tom Twister, uh, six four seven five six two and Novak Djokovic beat Alexander Zverev six four six six two six four four six six two is that right yeah I think hey, I, got that. I know <laughs> I know yeah I should have I should have had that in front of me that totally destroyed my brain there especially after the late nights geez oh um we'll start with Medvedev's match and Medvedev kind of, we were saying before the podcast started, kind of got a fairly predictable result. We were thinking straight sets. Well, I was maybe thinking four sets, and in fairness, uh, yeah. FAA was very close to getting that set. 
Um, four, I would say four. Pro- I was probably, I just had no doubt that Medvedev is going to win. Yeah. Yeah, so yeah, you, likewise. You know, yeah, either, right? Oh, likewise. Yeah, yeah, 100%. It was either straight sets or, you know, four sets with one slipping away from him. And one almost did slip away from him. It kind of went almost exactly how I thought it would. It, it, Medvedev kind of beats FA in, in most departments, serving, returning. Uh, from the baseline but uh, at the same time I've been impressed with FA and I think the the I think next year we're going to see a lot more of him in the latter stages of Grand Slam because he's getting there way more consistently certainly the serve and forehand combo is looking so much better than it was and much more reliable uh, than it was I've last year sure. yeah, yeah it's been amazing exactly so so against most I think he, he'd be the favourite almost sort of top 10 worthy tennis at the moment I would say uh, okay. however Wait, but the thing about him is in finals, you know, they st- he still has that finals yeah, issue. Yeah, he's the sort of monkey that he still needs to get off his back. Um, yeah. That, that I think I think will be gone sooner rather than later. And I think by the time, say, the Wimbledon comes around next year, I think he'll mm-hmm. have a title. And maybe, yeah. that's, maybe that's a stepping stone for him to, to sort of get mm-hmm. to, to the next level, certainly. I, I imagine that's something that Tony Nadal will want to to get rid of for him um, just to get out of the way because it's definitely something he needs to move past. At the same time, I don't, I don't think uh, pressure played much of a part in this match. Yeah. Um, there was maybe a few volleys that he could have done a little well, better on. Besides the, miss, besides the miss set points and the, yeah. uh, uh, you know, he was up five, two in the second. But, I, you know, with Medvedev, I don't even know if that's pressure because Medvedev's just so good. He can snatch a 5-2 yeah. lead from you like that, you know. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Medvedev kind of just, he's making a, a, a name for himself just as the sort of Djokovic, two, not 2.0 because Djokovic is still around, obviously. But um, he just, when he wants to not miss, he doesn't miss. And that's kind of what happened for five straight games. And FA couldn't keep up with him at all. Um, one of the best stats that came up during the match was the the two players average rally length return rally length sorry for the tournament Medvedev's average return rally length was six and A's average service rally length was four so basically they were saying before the match FA is going to have to play two more shots every single point he plays on serve which was kind of what happened and yeah that, that and that's what ends up happening especially on that backhand side which is still a little bit mm-hmm. vulnerable for him um, yeah. that that's kind of the shot that ended up breaking down. Um, FA was trying to run around his backhand quite a bit, which is just a terrible idea against Medvedev, yeah. who can direct it down the line really, really easily. He's got a massive portion of the court open. Yeah, in general, though, yeah, exactly as we expected, David. The two, uh, Medvedev is just a class above FA at the moment, and I don't think FA was that surprised that he, he got beaten by the sounds of the press conference. Don't know right. if you saw that. Yeah, yeah it was a. Uh... But the thing about FAA is his first serve has been really good this tournament. And mm-hmm. so the fact that he only won 65% of his first serve points, that sounds, you know, not horrible, yeah. but the way he needed to serve to win, that wasn't good enough. Um, and then yeah. 35% second serves, he only won 12 or 34 second serve points. You know, for a guy who needed to rely, again, for a guy who needed to rely on his serve, just it wasn't it wasn't near the performance that it needed to be, and a lot of that, yeah. as we said before, is that Medvedev really can just get everything back, and not only get it back, but get it back right at your feet, right at the mm-hmm. baseline. Um, it's just incredible how he does that. I think again, as well, you're saying about second serves, 
double faults played a part in this match as well, again. And I, I don't know if... That's something I think that will go with time because it started to go. If FA used to be worse than mm-hmm. this for double faults. Uh, last year, he used to be worse than he is now. But it's still something that needs to get... You know, if he, if he wants to make it to the very top of the game, it's something he needs to sort because there was double faults at crucial times and they make all the difference. They definitely do, you know, especially when you're losing that many second serve points. It almost felt inevitable when I was watching him a lot of the time right. and you were just thinking, he's going to double fault here. There's no way. I think, yeah, there we go. So he was 5-3 up, 30 love up in the second set and there was a double fault then. So... Yeah, obviously got broken up thoughts on the match. The four aces. I mean, I know that's just not. You know, that's just four aces for FAA in a best of five match. That is just. I mean, that's just incredible too. Because yeah, you can. Most players can't return that well. Yeah, it just shows (laughs) how Medvedev's getting a racket on everything. Yeah, Mm -hmm. I mean, obviously the you know standing beside the line judge helps a lot. In the, for the yeah. ace count uh, of of Medvedev, or for uh, limiting the ace count of FAA, mm-hmm. uh, and at the same time though that there wasn't many forced errors uh, in terms of serve, the return count was still high for Medvedev. Like he was getting loads yeah. of balls back. It's not like FAA was winning many free points in a serve at all, to be honest. Um, so yeah, you're quite right. Uh, you know if if he's gonna. If he's going to win points off his serve, you know, either it's got to be a, an unreturned serve or it's got to be a sort of serve plus one. And even the serve plus ones were pretty limited. I think that's something he could work on maybe um, because it's about the only mm-hmm. chance you've got of winning easy points against Medvedev. Uh, other than that, though, I was still impressed with him, to be honest, David. I still thought he was, yeah. quite, he was quite good, especially in that second set, especially in the first set as well, actually, which was a, it was a bit harsh on him, a, you know, a 6-4 set because mm-hmm. it, it wasn't as easy as that, definitely. Right. So yeah, I'm, I'm hopeful for the the future for him. But yeah, bottom line, Medvedev was a class above. And, I mean, yeah, yeah, FAA had a great tournament. I I, mm-hmm. I was so impressed with this win over Batista Agut. Uh, I don't know if you saw. It was kind of probably in the middle of the night for you. Uh, no, no, I saw. I saw it afterwards. Saw it. Yeah, yeah, it was two two sets up, and then fifth set in the end wasn't One. it. In that match, he won eighty two percent of first serves. Had twenty seven aces. Uh, wow. Jeez, oh. That was in, in less double faults, and he had eight double faults in that match. He had less double faults in five sets than he had uh-huh. in three sets uh, yesterday. Wow. Oh. Jeez, oh, yeah, yeah. That's mad. I, I, at the same time, um, I think Medvedev's, both his return position and his gangly arms certainly help limit yeah. the aces completely, to be fair. But you still expect Batista to be getting more service in court, so that's super impressive. Yeah, he must have been absolutely hammering the ball. Yeah. Uh, so interesting. When you talk about Medvedev, his gangly arms, I was hanging on Twitter yesterday. There's, I just can't think of a good player comp. It's so hard, you know, because he's not, he's, he's like this grinder, but he's not really a grinder. He's had this, yeah. He has this amazing offensive ability that's, got, you know, it's just, I can't place him anywhere. He sounds like he should be the perfect tennis player, but you actually watch him and he looks like almost the antithesis of like tennis technique. So it's quite <laughs> it's quite bizarre just to see this massive octopus like playing tennis that is almost unapproachable for most players. <laughs> like it's a weird contrast. I really enjoy it. I really enjoy watching him. He's really good. Let, let's talk a bit about Zverev and Djokovic. How much of the Zverev Djokovic match did you see, David? Did you manage to catch all of it? Or? I basically I caught almost all of it. 
Um, it was it was great stuff. Um, well, it was great stuff from the third set. Yeah. Uh, the, at the beginning, did you have my? I was again probably in the middle of the night for you. So I, yeah. You know, I've seen it. I've seen it all. I did see it all. Yeah. Okay. I'm, I'm I'm absolutely knackered, David. <laughs> yeah. So you know that, like in the first set, it was really short rallies. They were really trying to feel each other out. Um, mm-hmm. Djokovic was flexing the back some. It looked like you know his forehand at the beginning of the match was really off. Um, yeah. It was. And I was wondering what's, you know, is, is he's going to do what happened in 2015 with Serena, where she's really cracked under the pressure of the calendar year Grand Slam in the semifinals against Roberta Vinci. I'm, I started thinking, is this where he cracks? Then Zverev, uh, it was uh, 30 all, he missed a forehand, easy forehand. And then I think he double faulted and just gave all the momentum to Djokovic. Yeah. Um, do you remember mm-hmm. that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've, I've got a wee transcript of it, and yeah, I can see it here actually as well. Yeah, yeah. It was a terrible miss at thirty, wasn't it? Yeah, mm-hmm. I remember it now. In the double fault at thirty forty, um, is his level completely dipped? And what I was saying before the even the tournament started, David, was that over five sets, I think the constant theme is Zverev can't sustain a super high. I don't know if that's main. It will be mental rather than physical because I think he's a very fit guy. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think it's very difficult for him to take the Olympics as an example, to sustain a level as high as that, because that was a ridiculously high level. Wow. I, I think he played really well in the first set, like almost Olympic level. I don't really think we saw him quite hit that level throughout the match, to be honest, but he was still, yeah. he was close in the first set. And then the second set, he just dipped off. And honestly, I was surprised. I thought we'd, we were sort of seeing a new Zverev, almost a Zverev that could contend for, you know, the top position in the world, but to see him dip off like that, he, not really. Yeah, he, he won 94% of his first serve. He won 17 of 18 of his first serve points in the first yeah. set. Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's ridiculous with five aces. Djokovic as well had a really high first serve percentage, didn't he? And he still managed to lose that, that first set. Um, I'm, yeah. sure, I'm sure he missed like five first serves or something. He lost all his second serve points and that was enough because it was just the one break of serve. Yeah, um, yeah, it was it was a very high level in the first set. Still, again, though, I think I think that came down to very serve more than his baseline level, which I think was better mm-hmm. than the Olympics, to be honest. And I, I don't know if that's just because it's five sets; he needs to sort of, you know, work his or sort of to conserve his energy, I guess, mental energy, and feel he doesn't feel like he can hit a level as high as that throughout the match. But yeah. I just thought it was quite typical of this matchup. It's just tough, like you said, to sustain it over five sets, you know. Yeah. Sustain that level necessary of each Djokovic because we saw what happened with Tsitsipas in the French Open. We saw Berrettini in the first set of the Wimbledon final in the first set here. Um, You can do it for a set. You can do it maybe for two sets. Can you sustain that level for three sets necessary to beat him with Djokovic completely locked in? Mm Mm-hmm. That's what makes him so great. Um, and, you know, it also makes him so great. I don't know how much you noticed this too, but it felt like on so many break points, he just has unreturnable serves. Or yeah, aces. oh my God, yeah, yeah. Uh, the, one of the themes I've noticed for this year, David, so he, I think he approaches break points in one of two ways. It's either, well, I, I assume plan A is go for a serve that's unreturnable. He's probably thinking that and he, he pulls that off so often. The other factor or tactic even 
he seems to get himself to the net so often on break points. I don't know if you noticed that, but he seems he just seems to be there. I, I think he always, even if the approach shot isn't amazing, he comes in off the back of it because I think the pressure, I think, just seems to be such a advantage for him now because he knows the other player is going to feel it and he's not. Yeah, he uh, he served and volleyed on one of them yesterday. I was yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Novak Djokovic serving and volleying, like I know. And on break point, it's like that is quite the time. But he just has so much confidence in mm-hmm. himself, and to and he bets on himself, you know, to pull off. You know, I'm going to be at the net, and I'm going to hit that volley necessary. If 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 uh, Zverev gets it back, um, I think on the point I'm thinking of, Zverev didn't even get the serve back, mm-hmm. um, but. It's again just showing that confidence he has in himself and that in in that pressure that he just puts, you know. Yeah. Because when he's, you know, Zverev's not used to that. So when he sees Novak rushing to the net at the corner of his eye, he's, you know, he might panic a little bit. Yeah, yeah. And I think the the way he dealt with break points and oh, and uh, Zverev's serve, um, he, he sort of went a bit vintage in this match, David. And by that mm-hmm. I mean he he when you use the word locked in there, he especially in that third set I don't know if you remember the 53 shot rally and like a, a 32 shot rally back to back right at the yeah. end of the set uh Djokovic just went into full I'm not gonna miss mode which is kind of more old school Djokovic I think nowadays as I say he tends to take it into his own hands tends to get to the net but there he just was like I'm not missing there's no way I'm missing and eventually uh, Zverev did uh, he he crumbled eventually and uh, that's just typical again it's typical of this matchup that was the game of the tournament, I thought. I could yeah. not you know, and Zverev actually did pretty well in hanging in those rallies. Yeah, he yeah, he he won hit, one of them. He just couldn't hit through Djokovic. It was mm-hmm. insane. And yeah, you said Djokovic just goes into that can't miss mode. Mm-hmm. Not like he's just putting the ball in play either. He's still, you know, doing stuff with the ball, but he just doesn't miss. And it's Yeah, just they were hammering at each other. Yeah. But yeah, that, I mean it was a great match. Um and I was Half, I, I like longer rallies, so that third set was really um, that was yeah. my type of tennis more so than like the first set. Yeah, that that was I, I would have said that was probably the highlight of the the match. That was probably the best set. The fourth set again, there was a bit of an odd dip from Djokovic, um, but then the fifth set again, you know, typical. Um, he, man- he he roared to a five love lead, and in fairness, there was a bit of of handing that to him rather than the other I mean obviously Djokovic puts the pressure on fair enough but I'm sure one of the break points uh, was a missed overhead from Zverev and then I think the first one I think the first one in fairness that was Djokovic but yeah you could see it in Zverev's face when he missed the overhead he was like what the hell what have I done there like uh, that's probably the match lost now and he kind of just he was a broken man at that point yeah. That pressure that Djokovic to play perfect on every point, you know, it's really yeah. incredible. It's what, an accumulation of pressure there. I yeah, thought. yeah, exactly. What What did you think of Zverev's um, sort of second serve tactics out of interest? Because I kind of thought he'd, he'd stopped with the all or nothing 130 mm-hmm. mile an hour second serves, but he used it a lot in this match. Is that a good it's, idea? With Zverev, it's never just a normal second serve. It's either the all or nothing or it's like the ridiculously soft I know (laughs) for some reason looks like it's way more like dangerous and could go out than the the really fast serve some of them just look like they're so uncomfortable (laughs) yeah or he does the bublik tactic of literally Mm. just trying to uh hit it as another first serve um 
yeah, you know, against Djokovic, though, you have to take rests. Um, mm-hmm. And so you're not going to beat him just playing. You know, so if he needs, if he wants to hit two first serves, I don't really have too big of a problem with it because obviously what everyone else is doing with the second serve isn't working. So you yeah. have to yeah. play higher. You have to, against Djokovic, you have to kind of play like Barinka did in the 2015 French Open. You just have to kind of redline for the whole match and hope everything goes in. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I agree. And uh, I mean, if you can keep your double fault that count down and you're winning like over 70% of your first serve points, if that second serve is also a first serve, I think the odds actually might fall into his favour. And it worked quite a lot throughout the match. Obviously, taking him to a fifth set in general was pretty impressive. And he yeah. had his chances. So, yeah, I think it was a good tactic. Definitely. Yeah. I mean- I actually think he would have been a little aggressive, more aggressive from the baseline too, because what we saw with like, for instance, team at, I believe is the 2019 French Open, while Ranke at the 2015 French mm-hmm. Open, they were going huge on yeah. all of their ground strokes too. And I felt like maybe he played with these like 53 shot round, maybe he put yeah. a little too much in like into Djokovic's hands. I definitely agree. Rallies. Yeah. I 100% agree, David, and that's, I think, the Olympic Games level of baseline play is what I would have preferred to have seen, where he was, was, I don't think he played a a rally over, like, eight shots throughout the last set and a half of that match, because he was just absolutely thumping the ball, and I think I'd have preferred to have seen that, but as I kind of thought, I didn't, I think he thought that was too big a risk to do over five sets, so he just didn't do it. Yeah. Um, and I think that's, I mean, his record against top 10 players now in five set matches, I think, is love 13. Yeah, that's a stat. I'm kind of like, true, but at the same time, he's, I don't really think that's indicative of him as a player. Yeah, just, fair enough. He's, he's, still know, be, he's still beating good players over five sets, hasn't he, David? So it's not like, you know. I mean, Lloyd Harris, I know he might not, but he's playing, he's playing uh, terrific tennis center, took out in straight sets. Um, yeah, that's true. That's true. You know, like those guys, they they can they were playing. You know, Deloitte Harris is playing perhaps top ten level this tournament. I, I think I think at the same time, maybe if you were to look at the, if you were to to whittle that down to the to the top five, maybe mm-hmm. instead, and you you see, you see he's unbeaten or he's yeah he's not beaten the top five players. Yeah, that's bad. amount of times. Yeah, that would be different because that's a definite step up in level um, every mm-hmm. time. And I think a lot of the time it does go to a fifth set. So he's, you know, he's very close. It's kind of like uh, they were saying that in the commentary, but like Andy Murray and his, you know, continued struggles back in the day just to get that next level up. I think yeah. Zverev keeps going, he'll get there, but he's not quite there yet. I mean, yeah, he went five against Nadal too, right? At the Australian Open. Yeah, um, and, and then right the, sits a pass at the, uh, the French as well this year. Um, yeah, think- that was a chance. That yeah, yeah. was... I mean, he probably wouldn't have been Djokovic, but in that match, I, he had all the momentum and he just let it slip yeah. away. And a team as well, obviously, last year. Yeah. Oh, that yeah. was... Yeah. yeah. I mean, that, I was, mean, that was the chance of all chances. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I think that was a different swerve, to be honest, but he still got hints of that kind of nerviness and the pressure moments. So yeah, uh, it's just totally uh, washing that away and I think he'll be a different player. Yeah, I agree. Djokovic deserved the win, definitely, David. So, mm-hmm. with that said, should we look at a, a preview of the final? Yeah, let's do it. Yeah, uh, so it'll be Djokovic v Medvedev, kind of what I was expecting at the start of the tournament. I think a lot of people were expecting Zverev, actually. But, um, yeah, 
good to hear you agree though, David. I thought Djokovic was just, again, I thought if it went to a fifth set, there's no way he was losing it. What do you think? How do you think it's going to play out? Do you think it's going to be a five set epic? Do you think it's going to be an Australian Open uh, final from the start of the year? Well, I po- so I, on my um, pre, uh, pre-tournament predictions, I did predict Medvedev beating Djokovic. Um, okay. I feel, I thought he was ready. I ain't thinking Australia. You know, a lot of people said, you know, in Australia, Medvedev's going to beat Djokovic, and then Djokovic embarrassed him. And Medvedev kind of, in that match, mentally gave up a little bit. He wasn't near mentally. It seemed like things started to go south, and he just let them go south instead of fighting back. Um, Yeah, yeah. And so... For me, I felt like he was ready. Watching Djokovic locked down in the third and fifth sets last night. As you said, he did have some help in the fifth set by Zverev. But just seeing that lockdown mode, that made me... I feel like I have to stick with my prediction, but that made me very unsure that Medvedev's going to win. What do you think? Well, my thoughts on that are if um, Medvedev comes in with... uh, sort of the same plan, fight fire with fire and does exactly the same thing as Djokovic and that doesn't work. I don't know where he would go because that's kind of what happened in Australia and it, he looked yeah. a bit he looked a bit lost almost, you know what I mean? Like he kind of didn't know exactly what to do. Big yeah. second serve sometimes, you know, rolling in the second serves, no idea where to hit the ball, a bit directionless, no idea when to come into the net. Uh, if he if he looks like that, I, I, I doubt he is that player though still, David. I think he... Um, I think it's been a while, and I think he's yeah. had he's had quite a lot more experience in that time. I know it's only been uh, six, seven months or so, but I think that's enough time. And certainly, by the but, way he's looked in a hard court, I think he'll he'll definitely put on a better performance. Thing about that Australia is, I think he tried to play like he did. I, I want to a couple years ago he played Medvedev, he played Djokovic in Australia before. I think he took one set. It was one of the most physical matches of. That I've seen, and he tried to play. I think similar to that. It was that very physical, just trying to match fire with fire, like what mm-hmm. you said. Djokovic is ready for it. Um, yeah. And so I think this time he's got to now. Of course, the U.S. Opens you know this year has been talking about playing faster. Um, yeah. I think he's got to change his tactics a little bit compared to, for instance, that match. Um, and I actually talked about it a little before. I wrote an article before the tournament on last word on tennis. Ben Zverev and Medvedev, how they would match up against Djokovic. But I think that, obvious, I don't, if he tries to play like he played in Australia, he's going to lose. I think, I think Medvedev's a little bit better at shortening his points on his own serve than he was since Australia. I think that'll stand him in good stead because I don't think it'll be anywhere near as easy to break him, in theory. Certainly mm-hmm. the way he's been serving this tournament, I don't want to jinx him, but certainly the way he's been serving this tournament, I, I would... I'd fancy him to hold his serve better, especially given the yeah. speed of the court. Um, I think on return, I think it's a. I honestly think it might be a coin toss. To be honest, David, I still, I still aging a little bit with Djokovic, but just the way Medvedev's been playing, I really fancy his chances from the baseline. I don't think, I don't think he will get totally outplayed, and I think he's got the firepower maybe to take up the line more often than Djokovic. I'd I'd take a risk if I was Medvedev. I wouldn't just say oh, I, I'm a better Djokovic than Djokovic. Yeah. I think he, I think I, I'd be the one to take take the risk on because I don't think he's gonna make that next step 
without taking a few risks definitely whether that's yeah. a backhand up the line whether it's a few serving volleys I don't want him to serve and volley but we'll see right. what he does <laughs> um, yeah. I think yeah I, I think Medvedev could take it into his own hands definitely yeah it, it'll be interesting who do who'd you you said I think you said you had um, them playing playing before the tournament or you, you had them in the final who'd you have winning I'm just curious Djokovic yeah Djokovic okay yeah yeah but the thing about Djokovic also is that I don't know this is probably not a big deal at all but he was you know talking his back um, I yeah, uh, I, I saw people talking about that. I didn't even notice that, to be honest. But I don't, you know, after the whole Taylor Fritz thing in Australia this year, if jo- I don't care how Djokovic looks on the court, I'm going to assume he's 100. percent I know he could come out in a cast, and you'd be like, he's probably going to be all right. <laughs> he was cast to intimidate his opponents, and all yeah, that. exactly, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> what do you think, David? If you had to. Put your money where your mouth is. Would you make a prediction on the score and the winner? Obviously, I guess. Oh man, I said I, never did before the tournament, so I have to stay. I'm not going to go against my word, even though mm-hmm. I'm. He's been playing well enough, David. I'll say that. He is okay. I'll give a score. I'll say Medvedev wins six three. Oh, okay. I just made a set score, but okay, in five. I'm going to say Medvedev five. Medvedev uh-huh. five. Yeah, I'm not, I won't give an actual score, uh, but I'll give a set score. Yes, maybe them five. I think maybe there's been well enough to take it to a fifth, but yeah, Djokovic in five. Yeah, okay. the, the, just Djokovic. Very similar to the discourse before the Australian Open final when Djokovic. Yeah, that's true. Everyone's like, it's going to be so close, and yeah, you know, maybe yeah. uh, you know, <laughs> has a big chance. And then, so I don't know if we're going. I don't know at least if I'm going down that same rabbit hole i went down australia and i said i'll never do that again you know i'm uh, never doubting Djokovic, and here i am i think Djokovic is he doesn't play quite obviously doesn't play quite as well as he does in australia at the, at the u.s um I, d- I don't know if that's coincidence or not to be honest i think when he gets to the finals he just comes up against a better player uh but that 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 should be an indication to medvedev that he needs to play aggressively and he, he yeah. can't he can't just sit back at the baseline because that's what every I mean Nadal twice uh even Andy uh Murray back in the day in 2012 certainly Stan obviously all of yeah. them kind of took it to him rather than letting him dictate play um so I think Medvedev will have to do that as well even if that's a little bit uncomfortable for him I'd prefer him to go down yeah. the straight sets taking risks than take it to five just you know bunting it back and Djokovic wins so yeah it's gonna be exciting It'll be it's, a good match. Yeah, hopefully it's a good match. You know, whoever wins, hopefully it's not a straight setter. Yeah, so hopefully it's not Australia. Exactly. Um, that's that's the only thing I'm looking for, David. And the pressure. Honest. There's a huge pressure in Djokovic. This is the biggest match of Djokovic's life between not only the calendar year Grand Slam, but also the 20 Grand Slam. Everyone's tied. Yeah, um, yeah. yeah. So this is huge pressure. And I know Djokovic is the best player in history under pressure, but... Mm-hmm. I didn't ex- again. I didn't expect Serena to crack either, and she did. Um, yeah, so we'll that's see what true. Um, did you hear him? I think the quote was something along the lines of, "I'm going to play this match like it's the last one I've ever ever, ever played in my career," or something like that. Yeah, uh, yeah. Make, so, that would be if I were Megan Medvedev, I'd be nervous. Yeah, I, I I would as well, and I think the the Djokovic factor is just going to be enough. Just him, his confidence, his mm-hmm. fifth set record, all of it. I think it's going to be too much. So I really hope it's going to be an epic though, David. That's all I hope for. Fingers crossed. 
Thank you very much for listening to us. This has been the Online Tennis Podcast. This has been me, Jack, and David Gertler. You can catch his work on Last Word on Tennis. And what was the name of the blog, David? All about tennis blog and then crack rackets. So, or you can catch me on Twitter too. Uh, yeah, cool. I'll I'll put some links in the on my uh, blog page um, to Perfect. David's blog, so you'll be able to catch them there. Thanks very much for joining us, guys. We'll catch you next time. Bye. Bye. Uh,